without that reflectiveness and self-awareness, you literally have no idea what you're doing throughout the entire day. Yeah. All your habits are on automatic. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Hey Mark, the podcast where I, Mark, get to have open and authentic conversations about things like mental health and self-development. The reason I started this podcast is so that I can kind of have these conversations in public and in an authentic way so that if someone's out there suffering in silence or they're just kind of feeling alone, then they know that, you know, again, no matter what someone is going through, you're never alone and life can and will get better. You just have to put in the work, right? So today I'm getting to be joined here by Patrick. This is someone that I've met recently on Instagram. We had a good solid lift this morning. We've kind of been bouncing ideas off each other in the last week, but I'll let you kind of introduce yourself, tell people like who you who you are, what you're all about, and where they can find you, man. Sweet. So yeah, my name is Patrick Koo. Um, I run a company called PK Health and Performance, where it's really just me running the show where I train people I educate people is the big thing on how to become healthy as well as on the side I work with a lot of different athletes to increase their performance but the foundation of it all is just making sure that you have that that baseline of health to support you in whatever you're doing Um, so that's what I'm all about that's pretty much all I think about all day it's what I do for a living Um, so I'm super excited to uh, to talk with you oh and if you want to follow my my Instagram for tips and tricks on how to become healthier or a better athlete. You can find me on Thoughtful Meathead, or I also post a lot of journal entries or blog articles, whatever you want to call them, on my website pkhealth.ca. So yeah, dude, thank you for having me. Super excited, dude. Thank you for being here, man. No man. So um, yeah, before we chatted, uh, like before, I guess I started recording this. We were chatting about like. Recently, in the last couple of years, your mind's just been like super focused on health and shit. But, and you even just alluded to it right now. But like, were you always this focused on health, or was it like kind of this health pandemic coming towards us that motivated you more towards that? Because you were always, like you said, involved in like athletics and training. Yeah. Was it always like based around health, or was it? Because like in my experience, at first, it was like. I like sports because of the social aspect mm-hmm. and I wanted to look good because I was like a confidence thing. So that's why I got into working out and then strength, the ego part of it was like, oh, I can get better at this. This is sick. I'm mm-hmm. feeling stronger. But like it didn't get towards health until like really the last few years for myself, to be honest with you. Like, were you similar to that or were you always into the more like the health side? I would say throughout all my teenage years, it was all about just like you said how can you look better yeah i mean really that's the number that's the most important thing when you're like yeah. 14 15 16 Impressed years old chicks, dude. it's the most important thing so it was really how to how do you look better and then how do you become a better athlete because i was competing in a lot of different sports so it was actually the opposite of health back then which yeah. is why i separate pk health and performance performance generally doesn't necessarily mean health Um, so I was doing a lot of like weird nutritional practices, like cutting out carbs for no reason when I'm doing all kinds of aerobic glycolytic sports that require carbohydrates. Um, I would, I would be dieting down for no reason. I would be lifting too much weight. I would be training too hard. I was doing all these things that were all focused around just training and what I was eating, which is only a fraction of what health should really encompass, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until, I don't know, man, maybe I had a lot of uh, health problems that hit me in my early 20s 
um, that really flipped the switch um, for me and made me realize that health has to precede athletic performance. And if you don't have health, you really don't have the, the base off of which to build your pyramid of whatever it is that you're trying to build. Um, so yeah, in recent years, I've made a big focus on mental health, on tightening up my nutrition to not always be about how you look. It's like, how does your body function mm. um, via what you put into your body? It's not about how, how if you have a four pack, you have a six pack, you have a fucking keg. It's not about that, man. It's about yeah. how can you make your body function better so that that body type comes as a as a consequence of what you're eating, as a consequence of how you're feeling because of how you're, how you're feeding it. Um, like a byproduct. A byproduct, man. So it's all about the daily habits and um, not to get on a on a on a on a bit of a rant here, but Dude, I know fine. before this, I know this podcast or before we started recording, we we're talking about um, how recently with uh, with all the COVID stuff, it's made me really, really, really push hard um, in all areas of health: financial health, spiritual health, emotional health, mental health, social health, and obviously physical physical health as well because I want to be the it's what I do right I lead people to better health so I need to be crossing my T's and dotting my I's in all aspects of health um, especially when we have this pandemic where it's really not really a fucking uh, you can call it coronavirus but what it really really is is a pandemic of just unhealthiness health yeah. right yeah 100 percent. it's a it's an extreme oversimplification but you can say that if you are healthy like if your metabolic markers are fantastic all your blood work comes amazing you have great social health mm-hmm. you have great cardio you have great strength you sleep well mm-hmm. you have great relationships the odds of you contracting coronavirus and dying are fucking slim to none yeah whereas on the other side of the spectrum if you live in objectively unhealthy existence there's a very, very high chance that coronavirus is going to clap you. So yep. again, it's not really a pandemic of, of COVID. It's a pandemic of, of just unwellness and unhealth, which is what we've been dealing with, which is what we've been facing for decades now. Yep. Yeah. Leading cause of death in Canada is like heart disease, I think. I think. I think so as I'm well. I'm not 100% sure, yep. but I think it's either top three or number one. Yep. So I 100% agree, man. It's like... And I come from like, I obviously grew up playing sports, so like I said, but then I got into bodybuilding and I was always like, dude, if I can be jacked, like I'm sitting around like 195 probably right now. Yeah. I got up to about like 235 with like the same body fat I have now. Like I'm not the leanest guy, but I do have like, I usually have like a four pack at least. Mm-hmm. And like I was at 235, like in my eyes, I'm like, dude, I'm jacked, I'm muscular, I'm pretty low body fat. But there was a lot of things where it's like, can you walk up a set of stairs without mouth breathing? Mm-hmm. No, right? Like that's, it's like you were saying earlier, like performance isn't an indicator of health. Like for me, it was like aesthetics weren't an indicator for health. Exactly. So I had to rediscover like all of these different things. And yeah, like you were saying, like physical health, spiritual health, social health. And I was going to ask you, like, can you define like what you're talking about? Because some people might not understand like completely but like, what do you consider to be social health? Because you said relationship health, which I think is tied into that as well. Mm-hmm. But like, kind of break that down for people because it's easy for us to think about like what is healthy, mm-hmm. like in terms of like, oh, I just have to eat well and move every day. And then mental health is a little bit different. But what what would you like define social health as? 
Man, I would say social health is honestly, do you have a circle of people around you who are supporting you in the direction that you want to go? Nice. And who you can lean on when you really, really don't have the, you really just have nothing left in the gas tank. Mm-hmm. So that's, and it's like, that's not social media, friends, right? That's not. It can be, though. We met through social media. Yeah, for sure. But imagine if we just ended up talking like via DMs forever. Just like text, it wouldn't yeah, have yeah. been a strong relationship. Yeah. But, and then like after we lift, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, you really bond over like, 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 like physical strain. But anyways, I digress. Um, I like with, that. Man. With social health. Yeah. It's, it's about who can you lean on? Who's going to support you in the direction you want to go? And I feel like, unfortunately, that's super, super rare these days. And as a matter of fact, I'm just halfway through a book right now called, um, it's called Together by the uh, ex-U.S. Surgeon General. So you're familiar with that job title? Yeah, yeah. Right? So the ex-U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, goes through some amazing data, like huge sample sizes because it's basically the whole United States. So like the science is clear that loneliness is a bigger predictor, going back to what you're saying about heart disease, is the biggest predictor for early death. Uh, above even heart disease or wow. cancer or obesity or anything like that yeah. because think about it if you don't have anything one to lean on or not even that if you're lonely what are you going to do you're going to drop right back into all your behavioral addictions whether that's something uh drug related like cocaine addiction or whether it's um, a more common one like like you overeat constantly to try to drown out your sorrows or whatever mm-hmm. um, so if you kind of frame loneliness and social health in that way it just makes it so clear in terms of how important it is yeah I think a lot of it like with um, like eating addictions as well I think I don't know because I'm not really speaking from experience but like I feel like a lot of it is like chasing that dopamine rush like because you're eating like even like we just had after our workout like having a bunch of rice like we had sushi so like you had less rice than I did, but you know, you get a dopamine rush when you're eating like that sugar because it's like metabolized with sugar. I feel like a lot of like overeating is like searching for like the next dopamine rush because when you're overeating, like do you know anyone that overeats or like is like an addictive eater that they're just eating like steak or kale or like, you know what I mean? You'd be hard pressed to find one for sure. But dude. then like anyone who's like overeating or addictively eating, like yeah. they're eating like your processed foods, sugars, like ice cream, mm-hmm. fast food, like it's like a chase of a dopamine rush. And oh, like, 100%. But but you can get the same effect. Like that's why I've become addicted to working out in the last couple of years. Because like you're getting, when you do like a hard run, like you're getting endorphins rushing through your brain, you're getting serotonin, like the natural painkiller, the natural happy hormone. Like in my eyes, it's a good... And everyone's situation's differently, so I don't, I don't want to fucking have people like DM me and be like, you don't understand what I'm going through, but like, it's a pretty good replacement for a lot of dopamine cravings that way. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I would, I would totally agree with that. Oftentimes, in the in the context of of someone who overeats and has that kind of behavioral addiction, it's for sure you are you are using that dopamine hit. You're using that instant satisfaction, that instant gratification, to make up for some deeper gratification that you don't have in your life Mm. whether it's a good relationships or whether it's even physical health like having a strong body strong mind yeah um so yeah dude i totally agree with you you're making me like conscious of my my posture i'm like leaning (laughs) back i'm like looking over i'm like this guy's got good posture nah dude the pot honestly the posture that is 
the worst for you is the one that you're always in. So it's like, for sure, yeah. dude, sometimes you should be able to go like this, for sure. Sometimes you should be able to arch all the way back. Sometimes you should be in neutral, but it's just the posture that you spend too much time in is going to be the shit posture. There's no real fucking good posture. There's good posture in certain contexts. What is good posture when you're deadlifting? Okay, that's, I mean, that, I mean, the, the it's that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that's mm-hmm. pretty clear. Yep. What's the best posture when you're walking? Sure, certainly shouldn't be a rigid spine. Yeah. When you're walking, you need relative motion, which is just that you're... Um, all the joints in your body have to have a certain level of motion and then the whole body you moves as as a unit versus you having a rigid spine and then it's just your your hips just going like this yeah that's bad posture so posture is a contextual thing um that's sick i've never thought of it that way actually i've always drilled in the back of my head i'm like okay get my pelvis underneath me activate my core activate my glutes put my shoulders back and then drop them down like in my head that's right. good posture right but so now think about this there's so many and you were talking about how you have anterior pelvic tilt and if no if if some people don't know what that is it's kind of when you're stuck and your pelvis is kind of like this yeah that's me dude. so you have that like the bikini model steps. the bikini model yeah. bro the ig thought posture bro yeah um but, the, but so the thing with that is like, so now people tell you to reverse that posture and get into a quote unquote good posture, which is shoulders back and down. Well, guess what? When your scapula, when your shoulder blades are always in this position, that's going to cause a new host of problems because verse, uh, before two months ago, you were always like this and that caused a bunch of problems. Yeah. Well, being in here and here is going to cause a whole bunch of downstream effects too. If you were always in this position. Yeah. So it always goes back to... So it's more like about fluidity between the positions? 100%, man. It's all about always changing the shape of your body in terms of like the positions of your joints and stuff and not staying too static in one one specific position for too long. Right. For me, like I want to get better at certain things. Like I'm challenging myself. I'm on a hiatus right now, but you know, I just got into martial arts this year, but I've always just had this weird need to be able to do anything. Like my new goal is to be able to be like, all right, I want to deadlift four plates with the big boys and then be able to outrun some other motherfuckers. That's my new shit, right? Yes. So for me, like postural correction is something that I'm interested in because I'm like, I need like good performance, right? Yeah. But why like for like the average person, say like I'm just a guy, say like all I'm doing right now is my day job, which is like completely fine. That's what some people's priority is. But why would like postural correction or something like that be beneficial for me if I'm just a carpenter, seven to three, I work every day. Why would postural correction? Yeah, like why would this, why should this be an intriguing topic? Like why, because I like it and I like hearing about this shit, but I know some people are going to be like, how does this relate to everyday struggles? How does this relate to life? Because sometimes on a broader perspective, the root cause of the thing that you're, like addressing the root cause is always gonna make you confused as fuck because you you address the root cause and then there's this step and then there's this step and then there's this step that ultimately leads to that ultimately leads to you having no more back pain. So let's use back pain as an example, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, sure, you could take your aspirin and your Tylenol and then you can maybe do a couple stretches, mm-hmm. right? That undo the stiffness in your lower back. But guess what? The root cause you will always have to use those band-aid fixes unless you address the root cause of the thing which is most likely poor posture Mm -hmm. right so i know that um before we were discussing how 
there's so many egregious things that people deal that people deal with every single day <laughs> that we just don't even question. Yeah, we normalize. Like it. you have your nine to five job and it makes you anxious as fuck every day and makes you want to put a gun to your head. And we we're like, oh yeah, no, that's chill. That's like that's everybody goes through is. that. Yeah, that's yeah. what work is. Everybody goes yeah. through that. And then another one would be like back pain, right? Everybody talks about, oh, I just got a bad back or uh, like I tweak my back. And it's like, bro, you're 28 years old. What do you mean you tweak your back? Like, <laughs> bro, you should be in your athletic prime. Yeah. Right. So, um, so in regards to like, I know a lot of people have lower back pain, so, or knee pain or really any pain, but it's mm-hmm. the posture that is the foundation of it all to, to undo all that stuff. Yeah. Dude, that translates so well into mental health. Cause like, um, and that's what I've been reading so much about recently. So, and obviously that's what my podcast was based off of in the beginning. But like, um, I always think about like, and this is how I was growing up, man. Like I was always like uncomfortable by myself, for example, right? Like I was one of those guys where I was like, I didn't want to fucking be by myself, especially at night. Like I always had to be with a buddy or with a, with a girl or like kind of getting baked or playing video games. Like I never wanted to be alone with my own thoughts. And I used to even say that to people. I'd be like, yo, I'm more, I, like, I don't know why I would say that, but I kind of like manifested it in myself. I'm like, dude, I can't be alone with my thoughts. Like it's like fucked up there. And it's like all these little bandaid fixes, like, oh, hang out with my girlfriend, hang out with my buddy or play video games until three o'clock in the morning until I'm just tired enough that I just pass out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are all the bandaid fixes. And then it's like, well, when are you actually going to look in the mirror and fucking think, okay, why is this a problem? Like I'm looking at the problem and it's making me uncomfortable, but then why don't I look into the root of the problem and fucking start cracking on that? Yeah. Why Mark? <laughs> For real? Why? Yeah. Like, I, I know why it's because it's super fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, sometimes unbearably uncomfortable. Yeah. hundred percent, man. But like, that's how I feel like everything that we try and normalize like that's like uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of realizing this right now. Like it's hitting me hard. Where I'm like, I feel like everything that we try and normalize is like problems. Like when people are like, oh, I have a bad back, or oh, I, I fucking I'm just always bloated after I eat, and we normalize all these things. Or I just can't be alone with my thoughts. Like it's like, man, that doesn't really sound that normal. Mm-hmm. Like we should probably dig into the root of this and figure out like, why the fuck do you bloat every time you eat? Like how do we fix that problem? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like you can... I just love, like... If you view the pandemic in the, in the, in the, in the right... Like, in, from the right perspective, these things become so clear. Like, one example is like, okay, so if you are obese... Or, sorry, the people that die from COVID have a 94% chance of also having obesity. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about that because obesity is now normal in society. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say that like, hey, I'm pretty sure this is abnormal that this virus is killing. body shaming, right? Because it's body shaming. But that, here's the thing. If you're obese, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're an unkind person. It doesn't mean you're an unworthy person. It just means that you're obese. Yeah. That's what it fucking means. Yeah. But we can't talk about that when really that's one of the root causes for why the pandemic's been fucking us up so bad in the yeah. last year and a half. Um, because we've normalized things that are so fucking abnormal, like obesity. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, definitely, I feel like to some degree and sorry, so not to, not to cut you off, no, but no. I do want to make the, 
the the clear distinction that I'm not talking. What I what I'm talking about is biologically normal. Yeah. Right. Because it's well, there's one thing to be culturally normal. I totally get that. Like yeah. In some cultures, it's normal to be obese. But I'm talking about biologically normal. It is the most abnormal thing to be obese in ter- from a biological perspective. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not been very long since humans have lived in abundance. So I feel like there's just genetically, it hasn't made sense to be adapting to being that level of body fat, I guess. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, cause like we haven't adapted, we haven't grown as human beings to be able to be that level of body fat, to have that body composition because we've never had abundance like this in food. We've like developed, if you believe in evolution Mm -hmm. as like almost like in a sense of like, we have to fast for a long time. Like we actually thrive a lot of the time and I don't like this subscription of thought because I love eating, but like we've adapted to grow through starvation a lot of the time. Cause like food wasn't always around for mm-hmm. ancestors. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I get what you're saying. Like our bodies aren't really developed to be like that, but that like, I like how you differentiate it because a lot of people do like kind of go like, well, it's your fucking choice. And to some degree, everything that is in our lives is like our choice for the most part. But I think uh, I like that you like, you know, being obese doesn't make you a bad person. The same way that, you know, a lot of these people that are dying from COVID have tons of other comorbid- comorbidities. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's like, dude, being diabetic or having like certain like autoimmune problems, like whatever issues you have, doesn't make you a bad person, but we have to be able to look at things objectively and say the words like we were talking about in the gym earlier today. Like, it's like, why can't we just use the word that accurately describes what situation we're dealing with? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's terrible. It's not really the best for your health, but like, it doesn't make you a bad person to be obese. Yep. And like, I've been on that scale. Like yep. I've been there where I'm like, not like super high body fat, but way too much body weight for my body. Like I was having, starting to have some fucking heart palpitations and like mouth breathing, walking upstairs. I wasn't joking about that. Like I was, how old were you when you were, I was like 19, 20, 21. And I was like 235 pounds. Like, like, but so, and right now I'm 190 and I'm still a pretty decently big guy. So you could imagine another 40 pounds on top of this. Got it. So to bring this on a tangent, just out of personal curiosity, you played sports throughout all of high school. You're like, you're a pretty active guy. Yeah, so but you... I was still a heavy kid. Okay. Like when I graduated high school, I was 225. Okay. 17. Okay. A so there was, boy. was there ever... Thick boy. Thick with four C's. Yeah, <laughs> Got thick it. boy. Um, was there ever a time that you fell off the wagon then? And then you, and that's when you were like heavy breathing going upstairs and stuff? No, dude. I was lifting every day. I thought I was the healthiest guy ever. I was lifting at least once a day. Right. Sometimes twice a day. Right. So, like, fell off the wagon in what way? Because, like, I would, like, for example, I wasn't eating healthy. I was just out training what I was eating. God. If that makes sense. Oh, for sure, man. Like, I'd eat McDonald's any all Any 19-year-old yeah. can out train a bad diet, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I finish, like, a heavy leg day and go and eat, like, four junior chickens at McDonald's. That's you know it. I mean? Value So it's like, baby. why is your fucking heart suck? Yeah. Right? Like, why can't you fucking breathe properly? Well, I was eating shit. Yeah. Right? For sure. Taco Del Mar after workouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you had the self-awareness to, to, to kind of claw it back. And actually, so I, this is another thing. I was curious uh, earlier. You're saying that like you're finally coming 
to realize how important cardio is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, talk me through that realization and why you're making a big push to make your heart and lungs strong now. Um, well, lungs, I used to smoke cigarettes. So I, like I said to you earlier and like, again, um, I'm not an advocate for taking drugs, but this is my experience. I'm not going to fucking lie about it. I was on a shroom trip and I had this crazy dream one night where, um, I like I had a shroom trip and then went to bed. Yep. And then the next day I woke up after having this crazy dream where basically I watched my entire life unfold and a lot of the things I wanted to achieve, I started to achieve. And I was kind of like having like that white picket fence dream. Like I'm like with my wife, my kids, everything's perfect. My Like all the things I've ever wanted were achieved and, uh, and realized. And, and then I get a call and they're like, yo, you've got like two weeks left. Like that's it. Terminal cancer. Like you've, we just found it in your lungs. Like you've been smoking for years. Like, and then I woke up and I was like, holy fuck, dude, I don't want to die. And I don't want to fucking die from cigarettes. I'll tell you that right now. So then I was thinking, I'm like, well, I've been smoking weed and cigarettes for the past couple of years. Like, I really need to improve my lung health. And, I, and then that's when I was like coming across David Goggins. And I'm like, dude, if this guy can start running and he's like super overweight when he started running, like I can at least go out and fucking go for a small run. Mm-hmm. And I always grew up playing sports. So like running was never an issue. But then I stopped running and I started bodybuilding. Right. So come 2019 in my life. I go to run around my block and I get like, it's literally like a, probably a three kilometer loop Mm -hmm. and I get back home and I'm literally dizzy and puking from running three kilometers. And I'm like, that is fucked up, dude. I'm 24 years old and that's fucked (laughs) at the time. I'm 24 years old. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm like smoking it. I was smoking like a pack a day probably. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. So I started off by biking because it was easier than running. Right. So I was like, I can do this for longer. I can kind of push it for like 40 minutes. Running, it was like 10, 15 minutes. And that didn't feel like a workout to me. So it like didn't even, I had to build up to running. Right, right. <laughs> like it yeah, was pretty sure, brutal. Dude. So, and then last year I did, I like kind of challenged myself. I did 5K a day every single day for December last year. Right on. And then uh, I just ran over to Minaru track and I would just do laps there. Yeah. And then I did a half marathon because I told you about earlier. Because <laughs> I was just like, I was like, fuck, I can do this. Yeah. So ever since then, I've been just trying to challenge myself more with cardio in terms of, I was like, dude, I got to rework this shit, man. Like, yeah, I got to get my health back in terms of like my heart and lungs. If I'm going to die, I just don't want it to be from something that crept up on me. Oh, for sure. Something yeah, that I something that's back, controllable. Yeah, something that I look back and I'm like, fuck, man, I wish I didn't do this or I wish I did this. Right. Man, there's so many interesting questions that I want to follow up with in regards Shoot, to that. Dude. But first of all, it sounds like that in two different ways. Because they always say that if for any addict, they have to hit rock bottom before they finally make a push to make that behavior change, right? So it sounds like you hit rock bottom before you actually hit rock bottom yeah. in two ways. Number one is when you went on that on that on that run and you come in you're vomiting you're dizzy stuff like that bro that's pretty much hitting rock bottom to realize that you're 24 and that you're like a physically a sack of shit like that yeah yeah and then number two is hitting rock bottom in terms of this the the psychedelic trip that you had with with the mushrooms where you literally lived it by the sound of it you lived the the reality of what it would feel like if a doctor called you and said 
dude, you have lung cancer now because you've been smoking a pack a day. You have two weeks left to live. So you really feel the emotions of like what it would actually feel like oh, in yeah. that situation. Yeah. So again, like it sounds like in two different ways, you hit rock bottom before you really actually had to hit rock bottom for real. Yeah, dude. And I grew up like pretty depressed. And again, like this is something I'm pretty open with. But like that was the first time I woke up, I was crying. I was like, dude, I don't want to fucking die. Like I've been thinking about dying for a while now and now I don't want to anymore. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to die and I don't want to be the cause of my own death. Like I want this to, like if I die, I don't know, from something I can't control, like a car hits me going across the street. I can't feel bad about that unless it's maybe like, yeah, but look both ways. I mean, you definitely can't feel bad about that. You're going to be dead, bro. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, if someone, if someone's like, yo, you're going to die because of this mistake you've been doing for fucking years. Like I've, I personally would be like, fuck man. Yeah, for sure. I don't want that. Like, so that was the first time where I woke up and I was like crying. I'm like, dude, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Got it. And another, so the other thing first thanks for sharing that was actually a really cool story but um but like i said i'm not an advocate for like dude i'm not saying everyone should go and do drugs but i'm just saying that that was my experience that's just the experience man yeah Yeah. there's no positive or benefit like we're talking about it was scary and i was crying i was but like i think i've been able to pull benefits out of it for sure as have i but yeah, dude, your shirt says it all, man. I love that shirt. When I saw it at the gym, I'm like, fuck yeah. Well, dude, I bought it off of uh, MAPS, right? Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And have you been like looking into the research that they've been doing? Uh, are they the ones that are working with like MDMA? To Assisted do... psychotherapy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the big one. So they're the ones who are really making the big push to to help the, the big, big universities on the East Coast. Like John Hopkins, for example. Hasn't UBC been researching this a lot recently? UBC has been into it as well, but like the in terms of like what's actually, if you do a PubMed search or something like that, in mm-hmm. terms of like what's actually uh, available in terms of like really really good quality research. So far, for the most part, it's been all on the east coast of the state, so like NYU, John Hopkins, and stuff. But man, like the the results that they're getting in terms of treating PTSD and allowing these, for example, veterans who can't go to bed, who have suicidal thoughts, whose relationships are wrecked, one or two of these psychedelic experiences and they're cured forever and they don't have to... uh, they don't have to be taking these SSRIs anymore every single day that come with their own host of negative side effects. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. So, yeah, that's why I got the shirt on. Like, you got to support psychedelic science because it's one of the... If if you want to talk about root cause fixes... That's one of the things. Yeah. 100%, man. It's an ego breaker. Yeah. For like, sure, man. Because, like, ego protects you from looking at those things. Like, you were talking about earlier. It's like, why didn't I look into a lot of these roots of these problems? And it's like, because ego wants to tell you it's happening to you, not because of something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Ego wants to tell you it's like, oh, it's not you that's causing this. Someone else is or something else is doing this. Like, ego, like, kind of blocks the truth out to kind of make us comfortable. Whereas like those things destroy your ego. Like there's no, there's no barrier between the root and you. Yeah. You're looking at objective reality and what it is that you do and act and feel and think on a daily basis. There's no fucking bullshit, which is why sometimes the experiences can be so difficult. You're crying and you're sobbing and whatever, but those are the powerful experiences that again, like allow you to hit rock bottom safely before you have to hit rock bottom in real life, whether that means you're in an ER because you got COVID because you're obese or because you have lung cancer because you're smoking a pack of fucking cigarettes a day. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really the fucking, 
that's the benefit of the psychedelics, man. It like it shines a light on the shit so that you can see what you're doing wrong before it's too late. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, and I think that talking to other people as well about it, it's like you can learn from other people's mistakes as well. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. So again, I'm not saying that psychedelics are the the, the end all be all. I'm just saying it's a very interesting tool um, that is showing some very 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 promising uh, results with little to no side effects. Like, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you know anything about like, cause I've heard about like, I, I don't know if like you ever heard this from like your parents or anybody growing up, but like the LSD flashbacks thing, that's so that would be the only side effect I could think about. I don't really know anything about it. I've heard the term. What? So what does it mean? Like say, excuse me. I always heard. So there was this guy that my dad was buddies with who either told me this story or my dad told me he told this story. I mm-hmm. can't remember, but this guy's experience. Basically, he had like a quote-unquote bad trip Mm -hmm. and it would come back and kind of manifest in his life sometimes like either he would like kind of re-see a hallucination or maybe have a bad dream. I don't really know 100% but have you heard about those things? I have heard about that. I don't know much about them to be honest. Yeah, and in terms of like I have combed through the the available research currently and yeah, there are cases uh, like there are adverse events that can be associated with the ingestion of psychedelic substances, um, but that's just because everybody like. But that's all medication. That's all medication, right? And in terms of like, if you actually look at the statistics of how safe these substances are, it is unbelievable when you compare it to something like an SSRI or a fucking Valium for sleep or a a Xanax for for anxiety. Mm-hmm. It like. Man, it's clear as day. The, this group of drugs is very safe. This group of drugs causes more problems than it does good, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, or at least we haven't been able to, because I feel like I was listening to someone recently. I can't remember. It was someone on Lex Friedman's podcast. And he's talking about... the dude with the weird accent? I can't remember. They're talking like briefly about hallucinogenics and psychedelics. And he's talking about the idea, I guess, that... It hasn't really been studied that much and it's like well we don't have to use it in everyday medicine all the time but how about we just at least study the results like how about we just like do the studies we run studies on every other medication like why don't we just do the studies like it's kind of well, it you tell me like I'm, it's very confusing to me why yeah. we just don't do the studies yeah because it's like i don't know like if i I mean, I might be because I'm an idiot, but I feel like not a lot of people would be down to do like shrooms every day to do the study or I don't know, like what kind of experiments you'd have to do. I don't really know much about it. Right. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's not the answer for everybody, but neither are SSRIs or neither are, you know, benzos or Valium or et cetera, like X, Y, and Z. Like, dude, it could be the right medication for that person, but the truth, I don't think it's like a blanket treatment. Oh, for sure. The, tr- the, the If you want to know the truth, truth, the truth is that we need as big of a spread of treatments available as possible, mm-hmm. as big of a spread. There should be 101 different options for you mm-hmm. to deal with whatever ailment that you're dealing with. And not only that, it's probably going to have to require a combination of different things, whether it's drugs, exercise, sleep, journaling counseling psychotherapy Mm -hmm. it's it's gonna be a combination of things because there's never no there's never a the thing Mm -hmm. there's no the thing that's gonna fix your problems yeah and again the second thing is that there just needs to be a super wide array of treatments available 
right? You can't just be you can't just be censoring or 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 banning certain treatments just because they don't vibe with you or whatever the reasoning is behind it. Like if you're in the if you are in the business of helping other people get better and healthier, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to put out all the data as objectively as possible so that people have options and that people can kind of find their own route to health and, and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Because it's not like, and I used to use this phrase all the time when I worked in the fitness industry. I would say to people, it's not like a, I couldn't give you like a meal prep to lose weight. I couldn't give you like a diet plan or a workout routine because it's not a one size fit all. Like it's a one size fit one. That's what I used to say all the time. So like everybody needs their own thing. Like we might have similar goals even. My goal might be to lose body fat. Your goal might be to lose body fat. My goal could be to gain muscle and your goal could be to gain muscle. But we're going to go about it in different ways. Like maybe my sleep is already perfect and my training is already perfect, but I eat like shit. Like that's how I used to be. Mm -hmm. And then take another guy who eats impeccably and he moves really well. His mechanics are perfect. His discipline's perfect, but he sleeps like shit. So his body's not recovering properly. Like gaining muscle is going to look different for both of us, and yep. the adjustments we'll have to make lifestyle-wise are going to be completely different. Yep. So it's not like someone could prescribe, oh, to gain muscle you need to do this. It's like everyone's lacking in their own area, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same way, even like uh, in regards, to like I guess biochemistry. If you're like relating it to mental health, like. Not like an SSRI is not going to work for everybody because that's not solving the problem. But it might work for some people. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Because I don't know a lot of the science behind SSRIs. I, I don't want to get into the like actual like medicine of it because I'm going to misspeak a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But I have had I've had experiences with being prescribed them in the past, and I didn't jive with them. I had a lot of bad actually side effects to it. So like I know certain people where they benefit from it a lot. But it's like it didn't work for me. I had to do some other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you that that you set. Well, it sounds like from the last two years, like you've really set yourself a solid foundation of lifestyle habits that are what you can lean on in order to, mm-hmm. in order to get where you want to be. Like it's not a pill that you take. It's yeah. Certainly not a fucking pill that you take, man. Yeah. Yeah, I always refer it to like, uh, and this is something I adapted again from a company that I used to work with, but. I, I, I kind of like made it my own in the sense of like, I call it like the pillars of mental health or like wellness really. And it's like each pillar just holds up a certain area of the entire structure of life, right? Like, so like you were talking about earlier, like you'd have like your nutrition pillar mm-hmm. and like that obviously is in relation to what you're eating in terms of like what your body composition looks like and how you perform. But it's also like, when are you eating? Are you eating just because you're emotional? Are you eating just because you're bored? Or are you eating to serve a purpose? Like, mm-hmm. like you were asking me earlier, like when do you like what? Why do you eat rice cakes? And I'm like, because I'm driving home from a construction site and I need some fucking quick carbs mm-hmm. and a little bit of peanut butter with sugar, mm-hmm. and then I go for my workout, and then after I have a different meal. Like I'm not just eating randomly. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's intentionally living. So like nutrition plays a huge role in mental and physical well being, but like like you said, like reflection or like social relationships or different things like that would all be like pillars. So like, that's kind of the way I was looking at health as well. But I was going to ask you, cause like a lot of people, I feel like in the last couple of years, I think most rational people have been like, I think I should improve my health. 
in the last couple of years. I would certainly hope so, man. Right? So, like, what would you say to some, like, and again, this isn't, this can't really be a blanket statement, but, like, what would you say to someone that's like, dude, I don't know where to fucking start. Like, what would be the things that... I think there is one blanket statement that you could apply to that, and we talked about it earlier, but it's that set yourself up with small, small, like, small victories right. every single day so that you can build off of that positive momentum. But, like, where do I start in terms of, like, how do I get healthier? Like, what are some things I should do to get healthier? Like, because small victories in what? Like, in Call of Duty? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so, like so small victories in terms of, like the the way you're how physically active you are the way you deal with your mental health the way that you deal with your social health blah 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 so what it looks like in terms of physical activity i would say someone who's like brand new who like literally has nothing doesn't know what the fuck they're doing five minute walk every day if you feel good do 15 if you feel if you wake up you feel a little bit more energized than that do 30 but five minutes every day and then just build off that and if you Hopefully, what that what happens with that is that number one, you're building a positive cascade of just accruing dub, dubs every day. You're mm-hmm. winning every single day by doing five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to set it at forty-five minutes, chances are on some days you're gonna skip because you're feeling lazy or you just don't have the energy for it, and then you took the L, and then now that wrecks your self-esteem, that wrecks your confidence, that 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 kind of gives your brain a signal that oh shit, well maybe maybe I can't do this thing. Because I actually lost it. I can't even do 45 minutes. What the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, or maybe it's okay not to do it because like, like I used to have this all the time. Like you asked me like earlier, you alluded to it before we recorded, I think we are like, will you go and work out after a day of construction? Like, yeah. And that's what I used to use to rationalize. And I hear people do it all the time in my line of work where they're like, oh, I don't need to work out. Like our job is a workout. But like, you know what I mean? Like you start to rationalize like, oh, I don't need to do my 45 today because I mowed my lawn and I walked my dog. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But like, sometimes I would, uh, the counter argument to that, sometimes I would actually say that's a very, very valid argument. It's like, if let's say you do work construction and that's eight hours of labor a day. Let's say you took that eight hours and you're really focused on your movement quality. Everything that you lifted, you're trying to position your body in the most mechanically efficient way possible. Um, you're taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Mm-hmm. You're, ba- you're basically moving for your whole eight-hour workday. Yeah. Well, then maybe physical activity isn't the thing that you should be focusing on if you're trying to boost your health. Maybe there's true. another pillar of health that would kind of be like if you addressed, for example, your nutrition. Maybe if you addressed your nutrition, then you would have more, even more energy to be physically active at work. And you would sleep better at night. So now you're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. So for an example, like a, like a construction worker, like you just said, maybe don't address physical activity. Maybe have your small W for the day be that you are just going to eat a salad for lunch. Yeah. That's the W. That's all you have to do. And then slowly build off of that. Yeah. So it's not always physical activity. It's not always nutrition. But depending on where you're at, I would certainly focus on one of, one of four things, really. Number one... How's your physical activity? Are you physically active for at least most of the day, mm-hmm. right? If you, have an, if you have a desk job, maybe that means that you put a standing desk and then every hour on the hour, you do like 20 jumping jacks or something. Okay, mm-hmm. now you're kind of physically active for most of the day. Sure, no problem. Um, and then the second thing would be nutrition. Are you eating a ton of processed foods? Mm-hmm. Are you eating a ton of sugar? Are you eating way more calories than you need to for the amount of energy that you're putting out in the form of physical activity? Mm-hmm. Things like that. The third thing would be your sleep. Mm-hmm. 
Are you staying up at night scrolling through the <laughs> adult pacifier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it fucking with your sleep? Dude, I've never heard someone say it like that. An adult pacifier. <laughs> That's what it is, bro. 100%. Are you, wake, are you snoozing because last night's habits prevented you from having a solid night of sleep? Mm -hmm. Right? So I would say the third thing to look into would be your sleep. And then the fourth thing would be really your mindset. Mm -hmm. Like, are you anxious throughout most of the day? Are you depressed throughout most of the day? Okay, then what are some steps you can take to reduce those things? Mm -hmm. For some people, maybe it's journaling. For mm -hmm. some people, maybe it's meditation. For some people, maybe it's hanging out with your friends more and having like real conversations just like this. Yeah. But it's going to be different for everybody. And I would highly recommend that you really sit down and take inventory of what your daily life looks, at, looks like and what are some small things you can do to give yourself a little W for the day in all four of those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot, man. I like that. But I think that, yeah, you'd have to identify each one of the pillars. And like as well, the other thing is I feel like what I was trying to – what I well – I'm trying to double back to what we were talking about with like the workouts and everything like that. But I feel like um, the way that I've separated workouts and work, I think of it as like, uh, like I need to intentionally move. Like you were kind of, you were kind of, you had a good, uh, I guess, rebuttal to this because you were talking about like thinking about your movement patterns while you're working. But I know for myself, like, and maybe this is just a personal thing and I'm projecting it. But I feel like we don't think about those things while we're at work because we're just trying to get a job done efficiently, mm -hmm. right? So like for me, having a workout to be separate is like, that's the one hour you've kind of, uh, like I've kind of isolated for myself where it's like, we're going to make this vehicle that you're driving through life better. For that one hour, all we're focusing on, like today we were in the gym for a couple hours and it's just like every one of those movements was like, this is something that you're going to you're going to be, you know, making your vehicle a little bit better. You're going to tune it a little bit I get, more. When I so totally like, understand, bro. And I completely agree. Actually, I, I'm just, I was kind of playing devil's advocate. Like if, like, for example, if I had a construction job, I for sure would still be at the gym because that hour or two hours or whatever, however long time you want to block out for the gym, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah. That's your time to pick very specific exercises that you know will fix certain problems that you have with your body whether it's a certain pain that you have or maybe it's even that you just a certain way that you like to look um so you're addressing the weaknesses and you're building upon your strengths you're definitely not going to get that just by casually moving around throughout your day job so that's where really the value of that structured hour or two of training is that you're doing every day is like how specific can you get with the very very specific problems related to how your body works and then how can you build off the strengths that you already have yeah yeah and the other side of the coin is i feel like um because a lot of the times i'm driving home and i'm like fucking burnt out because we started like 7 seven thirty, so i'm driving home it's like 4 4 30 sometimes and i'm like dude i just moved all day like the last thing i want to do some days to be 100 percent honest is go and work out mm -hmm. like probably five out of seven of the days i'm pretty high energy so i'm pretty much like let's fucking go mm -hmm. like i was this morning like i'm like dude whatever exercise you want go. like let's go <laughs> yeah let's go i don't care what it is i'm down but there is definitely like two three days of the week sometimes where i'm driving home i'm like fuck I don't want to do this. Even stretching for 45 minutes seems like hell. Mm. And like, that's why I love my rule, which is exercise for 45 minutes a day intentionally, like minimum. Like I have to do a workout every day, whether that's going for a jog, 
doing a yoga class, doing a workout with weights. And the reason is, is because I don't want to fucking do it every day. Mm -hmm. So it's like a way of like kind of instilling discipline and, and it's an easy win for me, right? It's an easy win also because from what It's an easy win for me. That's what I mean. Because I typically enjoy it. Right. So it's like, it's a way I can kind of build momentum and do the thing that I don't really want to do, but I know I can do it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what else makes it a really, really, really easy win though, which I love that you brought up, is just the fact that you have chosen to give yourself so many options. So on a day that you feel like shit, you have the option to walk, you have the option to do yoga, you have the option to ride your bike, you have the option to stretch, you have the option to just fucking lay on your back and practice your breathing mechanics if you want for 45 minutes. But just the fact that you have options because you were open-minded enough to try all these different modalities of physical activity. That's, I love that, dude. I used to just be like, I have to hit the weights for an hour. Yeah. That was my old thing. And sometimes it'd be like an hour, two hours, man. Like I'd be in the gym for like two and a half hours. Now, if I just tell myself like 45 minutes is my minimum and that was kind of from doing 75 hard, Mm -hmm. but I find 50 minutes is like a happy, like if you hit the weights hard for 50 minutes and we kind of talked about it today in the gym, like you don't need a lot of rest time. Just go in and blast it for 50 minutes. You're going to get muscle development. Mm -hmm. Even, excuse me, going for a run for 50 minutes or if you stretch for 50 minutes, not only are you going to obviously be burning calories, but it's just going to improve your health in one way. Mm -hmm. Like if you just stretch for 50 minutes and you're practicing breathing, like dude, that's going to make a huge impact in your life. Like not even just with athletics, just in your life. Exactly. How you can calm down when you're feeling anxious or Mm -hmm. how you can. So I feel like, yeah, I like that. That has been one of the things that shifted my mindset in the last couple of years of what a workout, like what constitutes being a workout? Because when I say everyone should move for an hour a day, I'm not saying fucking take a two scoops of (laughs) pre-workout and go and bench for two hours and deadlift and squat. Like, I'm just saying, just fucking move. Yeah. Just for an hour, just move. 100%. Or stretch, or make movements easier, or better, or like, you like, dude, because not to get super technical, but, and this is something I've heard before and practiced before, but in our workout today, um, this is going to be like where the bro scientists love this section, (laughs) but like, we did a lot of like, stretching of the muscles as opposed to contracting of the muscles. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was one thing where I was like, dude, I've been neglecting that recently. Like while we were doing them, like especially with even just the deadlifts halfway through, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to just practice lengthening my hamstring here Mm -hmm. and not just like fucking getting the weight up like I would normally do. Mm -hmm. Like I want to actually, I I was like, okay, I get what he's doing right now because he wants me to lengthen the muscles, like the rows that we did. I was like, okay, I see what he's doing here. So I'm going to try and do this with every one of the exercises and like, I wasn't lifting like what I would say, like the heaviest I could lift, Mm -hmm. but I'm focusing on just like, okay, I see what he's trying to get to. I think I'm going to try and emulate that in these movements and see how it benefits me. And like, I was driving home and I'm like, dude, my lats did not bear that much weight today, but they're pretty tight right now. They're pretty sore. Like they're firing. Yep. I'm glad. Okay. So not to, so apologies for anyone. Like, I'm just so passionate about this. I just love to talk about this was i hitting that on the head is that what you're trying to do like pretty much stretch out the muscles pretty much pretty much because the thing is if you want to view athleticism or human movement um you have to view it as a skeleton moving through space 
and it just so happens that ligaments, tendons, and muscles are attached to that skeleton. But the thing that moves through space is the skeleton. So you have to put your joints into certain positions in order to elicit a muscular contraction, which mm -hmm. is actually what's going to propel you in terms of however you want to move. Um, so I'm very passionate about this because especially I feel like the whole fitness industry has oriented their view of movement in terms of um, bodybuilding. And, and fair enough, right? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like bodybuilding has dominated the industry forever. Mm -hmm. But in bodybuilding, it's all about how can you elicit the, the strongest squeeze out of your muscle. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about how are you actually moving your body. Coincidentally, both those worlds can kind of coincide when you realize that the best muscular contraction you're ever going to get is if you first put the joint in the, or put, first put the muscle in a lengthened position. Mm -hmm. Muscles have to lengthen before they contract. Yeah, like the bottom of a bench press is like the pulling of your pec all the way, and then you can contract and squeeze. Muscles have to lengthen before they contract, and if you don't view human movement like that, there's going to be a lot of holes in the way that you work out. Like, for example, if you're like, even when we're doing deadlifts, mm -hmm. you don't get the most muscular recruitment from your glutes at the lockout. It's not here when you're squeezing as hard as you can that you get the, the most... It's in that middle position where your hamstrings and your glutes are kind of lengthened that They're you're getting pulling. Exactly, you're getting the most quality contraction from your body. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, sorry to get off that tangent. That shit, I fucking love talking about yeah, that dude. stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. I like it because I like learning about it, man. Yeah, that's like because, uh, like I said, my entire ideology, like you said as well, was like, how do I contract this muscle to get the pump? Yep. Like yep. that's all I want. Exactly. I just want to eat gummy bears and drink water. <laughs> and pump, dude. That's yeah. it. I was like, give me the sugars and salts to get the vascularity. Get yeah, I want to get pumped. That's it. And now I'm like, I get what you're saying because I'm like, I got these dumbbells sitting right here. Like my home workouts, I've been like kind of chucking weights around, like ego weights. But it's like, dude, I could get a huge, huge muscular development just by doing. Some of the things we were doing, I was driving home thinking about how I could adapt all of those to dumbbell workouts, mm -hmm. like the landmine row that we did. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna just do that with dumbbells, man. Oh, for that sure. Full that full stretch and then pull back. Like, I don't know why I just don't do rows. That just like that should be how I do all rows. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a, it, um, I think why you have such a hard on for those exercises I just showed you. Yeah, is because you were in that. Uh, uh, it's almost like a religion of like when you're young and you're lifting, everybody says shoulders down and back, which they should if you're, for example, bench pressing. Yeah. But you should not be in this position all the time. Yeah. So your lats are always in a shortened position. So now yeah. that you're you're giving your 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 you're giving your skeleton you're giving your 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 musculoskeletal system an opportunity to experience the polar opposite of this, which is reach anterior rotation then my god it probably feels just intuitively really really fucking good yeah. right so yeah bro just keep doing them yeah 100%, even the way i sit like always i'm always like anterior rotated like my pelvis my shoulders everything so i guess doing those motions i'm like oh that feels good not being like that yeah exactly, exactly. i don't know like as well because i've heard so many people tell me this like i've asked a couple of different kinesiologists and like i literally just learned in the last year correct me if I'm wrong, that like a lot of anterior rotation of the shoulders can, I used to attribute it to like front delt tightness and pec tightness. 
but I wasn't until last year that one of my buddies was like, dude, your lats are so fucking tight mm-hmm. that they're just pulling somehow. Like, I don't understand how For that sure. pulls your because the shoulders lat, forward. So the lat is an internal rotator of, of your arm. So it basically makes you do this because it starts from down here, uh, then it attaches here. So if it pulls, like imagine the attachment point is here, for example. It spins that way. It spins that way. So that's why. But not only that, like I would say, like even the root, co- for sure, one of the, one of the root causes is like tight, obviously pec minor, pec major, front delts, lats. But underneath that is probably some kind of breathing dysfunction. If you cannot open your rib cage this way, and you cannot open your sternum this way, then you'll always be scrunched in like this. If you can open up your sternum this way via a really good quality inhale, mm-hmm. and you can open up your rib cage this way via a really good I'm like quality inhale. I'm thinking in- right now as I breathe. Exactly, via a really good quality inhale, then all this tissue is gonna open up automatically. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, okay, let's spend That's some- That's what they mean by horizontal breathing, right? That is what they mean by horizontal breathing. Yeah, pretty much like breathe out this way, breathe out this way, 360 degrees of expansion. Um, but it's like if you talk about root cause fix, if you want to address the root cause of this posture, probably if you really fix your breathing mechanics, naturally, just by virtue of you opened up here and you opened up here, the tissues, so like namely your pecs and your lats and your, your delts and stuff, will open up just because they're in that position, right? It's not something that you stretch first and then you hope to be able to stay in this position forever. (laughs) It's that you breathe first, and then the joints end up being in that position naturally. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny, man, because all the time before I work out, and I even did it today, I like stretched out my lats a little bit, stretched out my chest a little bit, and in my head I'm thinking like, oh, this will help me stay in that posture. Yeah. No, well, it's good, right? Just like we are talking about before, it's like you have to attack the problem on like, eight different fronts yeah yeah 20 different fronts but the order of operations is very very important is all i'm saying yeah yeah because i guess like stretching those things and releasing them is like an after thing like that's like a post thing is that what you're saying or i should say i would say it's just part it's just part of the equation but make sure that you're prioritizing the breathing mechanics first yeah that's sick dude that's really dope because breath is one thing that i've really been focusing on like i said i read that book breath and I've been reading a couple other different books just about breathing and especially being into jujitsu. Like there's so much more breathing technique that you have to practice where I'm like, fuck, I got to really work on my breathing yeah, now. Yeah. Especially when you're holding those isometric like contractions where you're literally framing, just yeah. framing and stuff like that. And then it's like, Oh shit, I'm holding my breath right now. Why the fuck am I doing that? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Like I love jujitsu for teaching you how to stay calm under, under, under stress yeah dude that was like literally my favorite thing about it i was like first it was humbling because like i told you my experience like i'm not a small guy you know is like there's definitely guys bigger than me in the school that i go to but i'm bigger than a lot of the people there and there's fucking girls that are tapping me out left right and center my first class there i saw this guy and i'm not trying to be a prick but he didn't look like an athlete to me. Like he just looked like a guy. He yeah. worked like a, he was like a guy that worked like an office job probably from my eyes. And I'm like, dude, this guy. Bro. <laughs> and within seconds, I'm getting fucking ankle locked. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. How'd this guy do that? So I was like, oh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. 
maybe he just caught him at bad bad angle, whatever. And I was like, I'm heavier than him. If I can just get on top of him, he's done. <laughs> and he ends up, you know, I get like maybe, yeah, he's got me in like half guard and I'm on top of him. And I'm like, I think I got the upper hand here. Yeah, yeah. I'm on top. I'm heavier. All I have to do is just lean my weight on him. Like, I'm good. <laughs> and then in seconds, he sweeps me. Like, it's like, dude, how the fuck is this guy doing that? Yeah. I got to learn this shit. Yeah. Because I'm getting tapped by girls, guys smaller than me. And for me, like, I grew up playing rugby. So it was just smash things that fucking pursue. <laughs> and I couldn't. Like, the smashing didn't help, right? Yeah. Like, it didn't help. It didn't make me better. And then you get to start to thinking, like, all the things that you're talking about where I'm in these positions where I'm uncomfortable and I'm, like, holding my breath and I'm, like, tensing up and I'm squeezing. And this one guy says to me, it's, like, my first class, he's, like, Bro, you're tiring yourself out. Like you're not even fighting. You're you're not even fighting me. You're fighting yourself. You're right playing now. yourself. Like man. you're choking you. <laughs> like I'm not even doing anything, and you're still holding your breath. Like yep. you're choking you. Yeah. My goal is to stop you from breathing, and you're stopping yourself from breathing. <laughs> that's like, a great way to put it, dude. That's what he said to me, and I was. You like, remember who said it to you? Do I know that guy? Uh no, okay. I don't think so. His name's Mike. He's a fucking dope dude. Okay. Shout out to Mike, man. <laughs> Shows to Mike at Gracie Barra in Richmond. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, dude. He's like, what are you doing, man? You're just holding your breath. And like other things where like I just didn't understand the mechanics of the sport. Like it's like my first couple of classes. It's confusing, man. So like I'm trying to pull him in in certain times where he's like, dude, you want me away from you right now. Like why are you trying to hug me in? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm constricting you. Like maybe stopping your movement. He's like, dude, you're helping me put pressure on you. <laughs> like different things. He's like, how tired are your biceps right now from just holding me in like that? I'm like, bro, my arms are killing me. He's like, don't do that. Then. What are you doing, man? Like, you're hurting yourself. In, it, okay, it's very interesting. In, cert, in, in many ways, jujitsu is like the opposite of bodybuilding. Because, I say yeah. that because bodybuilding is how can you put your body in the most mechanically disadvantageous position Yeah. in order to make one specific muscle work, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, like a preacher curl would be a perfect example. It's the, such a fucking mechanically disadvantageous yeah. Yeah. position. Like the thing is blocking your elbow and then you, all you have to leverage is your bicep, right? It's, it's but just, it's an isolation for your bicep. For right? sure. So, it serves that purpose. But, then but I'm it's saying like it's just it's, it's mechanically all about... Mechanically not a good position. It's all about being mechanically inefficient when you're bodybuilding, right? Because the goal is if the more inefficient you can be, the more you're going to have to contract your muscle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if I really wanted to pull something in real life, I wouldn't fucking pull it. Yeah. It's that. Right? Like the I most, would just fucking pull it. That would be the most efficient way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So jujitsu is the opposite. It's the how can you do things in the most efficient way where it's the least amount of muscle, least amount of effort. Yeah. Zero energy consumption. Yeah. How can I use your weight to do what I want? Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. I like how you've bound like. Uh, You've kind of bounced from one end of the spectrum to the other. I'm not good at jujitsu. I'm not trying to say by any means I'm good at it. I'm just saying I really liked it in the last few months that I've been trying it out. Yeah. No, that's fucking awesome, man. I love to hear it, dude. And I actually, I would love to see you just experiment with more modalities of physical activity because by the sound of it, you were a fucking beast when you were a kid, like in terms of all the different sports you played and stuff like that. I was that. a lazy athlete, dude. I was like, the things I was good at, which, and I've always naturally been kind of big and dumb, so it's just like fucking hit people for the most part. <laughs> like when I played hockey, it was just hit people. Okay. When I played it. rugby, it was like just run straight into, sometimes into people, sometimes, okay. you know, like it's just 
do those things. So like I've always kind of been, and that's what I really like about martial arts is it's like um, obviously like in other sports like rugby and hockey, you're making decisions all the time and it's always like split second decisions. Do I pass it or do I shoot? Do I hold on to it for a little bit longer, right? Same thing in rugby, like do I shoot this gap that's in front of me or does this guy maybe have a better gap? So if I get it to him, he can shoot that gap. Or can I create a gap? Can I like kind of trick someone into going somewhere and create my own gap? So it's a lot of like kind of... Uh, it's just speed of decision making. It's super yeah. high level cognition, super fast. And visual misrepresentation. Rugby is a really tricky game that way. Yeah. Because you have 15 guys, so it's pretty easy to cover a field. So you have to kind of create gaps by pretending to put the ball somewhere and then maybe holding on to it or just kind of getting your defender to misstep before you can do things. Mm -hmm. So like I kind of like that about jujitsu as well because it's like forcing me to like kind of react under stress. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, okay, you're in this shitty position. Like if this were a real situation, you're about to get your arm fucking yanked out or your fucking ankle ripped out, mm -hmm. or you're about to get choked out and this guy's gonna kill you. Mm -hmm. Like if it was a life or death situation. So like those are stressful things that you can't really, I mean, you can separate from it a little bit and be like, oh, well, we're just sparring. He's not really gonna hurt me. But like when your arm's being yanked in that direction, like there's no way to Your kind brain of, can't tell the difference. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to your say. Your brain's like, oh, I'm fine. Fight or flight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fight or flight kicks in, right? And like your cortisol levels are shooting through the roof. So for me, like that's been a huge thing for my anxiety is like, it's been calming down a lot more because now it's like the situations that would have made me extremely uncomfortable just make me a lot uncomfortable. Like it's kind of like <laughs> dialed it down a little bit. Like it's like, it's not like an extreme discomfort. It's just like a very dis discomfort. Like it's, like right. it's, it's quite discomfortable. Right. For sure. Uncomfortable. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that a big component of that is just the fact that you are so, that you basically reacquainted yourself with your own body. So for example, in a real life scenario, um, you whatever, let's say for example, you get into a girl, argument with your girlfriend or something, start to feel anxious. Then you start to realize that, oh, I'm holding my breath. Oh, my, my, my fists are balling up. My, my, my shoulders are starting to clench. And then you can think back, oh yeah, dude, I, when I do that in jujitsu, all I got to do is, and then I'm good again, mm -hmm. right? So you can just remember those like telltale signs of anxiety that come from your body. And then once you feel those warning signs from your body, then you can, you're the captain of the ship. You can steer, you can steer your physiology however you want it. Right, so that's one of the really, really cool things about martial arts. I think is that it really helps you reacquaint yourself with your body because your body will fucking tell you everything in terms of like you might not think you're anxious, your body fucking tells the story that you are. Mm -hmm. You might not think you're depressed, your body tells the score that you definitely fucking are. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, man. Like to me, it's like it's it's fucking more than a martial art. It's like it's reconnecting yourself to yourself. Yeah. I think another one of the big things, and this is like kind of more like the philosophical side of it is like, it's also okay to tap, man. <laughs> like that was one of the first things, like when I first started, yeah. I was like, okay, if I can't fucking tap these motherfuckers, I'm going to just not let them tap me. Like, that was kind of my next thought process. Yeah. I, I met this guy and like everyone in the class was tapping me left, right and center. And I was really struggling with like the first couple times working into a submission and like even if I knew the submission it was like getting into the position to do the submission was difficult for me to understand like uh, yeah so 
it was really difficult for me to get like my first tap in class. You know what I mean? So my my second thought was, I'm just gonna keep them so fucking busy. Like I'm not gonna let them tap me. Like mm-hmm. fuck them. Like I'm gonna <laughs> fuck with them the way that they're fucking with me. So I'm just not gonna let them tap. And then all the time I'm getting into these positions where it's like. I'm going home and I'm texting my buddy. I'm like, yo, are your shoulders like really fucked? Or like, does your neck really hurt after class? No, dude, I just tap. Like, dude, you just need to tap way more early because like, you're cranking your own neck. It's like, that simple, dude. Like, you don't have to do that. You could just tap. <laughs> yep. And then I realized, I'm like, dude, how many times has that been in my real life? Where I'm like in this like weird stalemate position and I'm just fucking tensing up and I'm trying to fight it, fight it, fight it. It's like, Dude, you could just restart. Like, you don't have to do that. For sure. You don't have to suffer like that, dude. You could just give in. Yeah. And, like, going back to shrooms, like, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned with doing mushrooms was, like, sometimes, and again, this is going to be, like, a little bit of a hippie motion, notion, I guess, but it's, like, sometimes you just have to give in, man. Sometimes you just got to be, like, all right, I lose this round. Bro, sometimes you have to go with the fucking direction that things are going with and just ride it out, man. Yeah. Like, you're literally shooting yourself in the foot if you try to go against the current. Fuck yeah, dude. So, yeah, I totally... I I totally understand that, man. I totally understand that. Yo, um, before we wrap things up, because we actually have been chatting for over an hour already, but um, I wanted to ask you about your blog posts. Oh, yeah. So, like, why did you start... Because, to be 100% honest, and... Dude, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing because I do a lot of fucking weird things. Like, I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. But, like, what got you into, like, blog posts? Because not a lot of 26-year-old guys and, like, and growing up where we grow up, like, I feel like have blogs. Like, what made you kind of do that? Or what kind of topics have you been writing about a lot? Because you've been talking about journaling a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, what got you into doing blog posts and, like, what other things do you talk about? So what got me into to blogging was that growing up, I, I explained to you before, like all I did was move around, like play outside, and then come indoors and read books. Like there's no fucking video games, there's no fucking. Were TV. books enforced on you? Like no. why'd you do that? No. You just liked them. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't have to go too much into detail, but like I come, like my household was not the greatest growing up. Like a lot of anger and like verbal violence, like just it was pretty shit. Um, so for me, and my sister, like the escape was just. Lock yourself away Lock in yourself room and, and read. And fucking read. Right? You have your own little fantasy world. There. Exactly. So you read a lot of fiction? Fiction and non-fiction? Everything. Everything. So I, I, like, I'm a, like, I am the definition of a bookworm. And as a consequence, I really enjoy writing as well. And the process of writing is super therapeutic for me because you're trying to put what are sometimes like super... Schizophrenic is obviously not the right word, but like scrambly, like schizo thoughts in your head, and you're trying to put it in the most coherent way possible so that your whole worldview makes more sense. Um, and also the puzzle of like, man, it's so sick if you think of writing for what it really is, at least in the way that I write, um, which isn't fiction. Um, in that, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> in that reality, I'm not writing fiction. I ain't writing fucking fiction, dude. Um, in terms of so there's the, the, our perceived reality, right? Yeah. And I can have one experience and I can try my absolute best to mime it to you, to video it to you, to describe it in words to you. To convey your message. It will never replicate that experience of reality. Yeah. So the fucking, just the thought for me of that, of, of I can use words to try to 
show my best approximation of this ethereal thing called reality is a fucking impossible task, but that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. So that's fucking, in terms of like an enjoyment perspective, that's why I write blog posts. I also obviously run my own business and you have to get your name out there. You have to show people what your knowledge is, who you are, and why you think the way that you think. Mm-hmm. So that's just another way to do it from a marketing business perspective. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fun perspective. Um, so would you say blogging is, is that separate from your journaling? Like both kind of are different vehicles you use or? Both different vehicles, yeah. I'll journal every night. So. Um, just a short little 10 minute thing. But yeah, the blogging, like I'll type out a long form thing um, generally once a week. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll type about all things related to health and performance, whether that's how do you, how do you journal effectively, mm-hmm. whether it's how do you get rid of your insomnia, whether it's how do you structure your workout in a way that makes most sense for you based off of your goals in terms of why you're working out. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, again, I'll just basically write about anything and everything related to health and, and performance because that's really all I think about for the most part all day. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a hobby. It's like a business thing that I have to do, <laughs> but it doesn't feel like I have to do it cause it's fun. Um, and I feel like I'm putting out, or at least I try my best to put out good, solid information out there so that if people are looking to improve their lives and live healthier and be happier or become a better athlete, well then they have the tools to do it. Right. I'm not trying to hide all my information and like keep it under a paywall or anything like that. I like, bro, like being it's healthy there. is like a, everybody's right. Yeah. But it's like there's just there's 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 it's a confusing world out there um, in terms of like the information that you see on health and performance and stuff like that. So I just try to simplify it and and make it accessible for everybody. I like that, man. That's like pretty much the exact same way I got into podcasting and wanting to to kind of share all this information. Like I like obviously put a lot of the clips on social media as well and. I say like people ask me all the time like what are the benefits of like what do you like doing because obviously I don't make money off this so like I already have a full-time career like I work with a family business like I already have a completely different industry going like that's my shit so like people ask me all the time they're like why do you dedicate so much time to this and it's like well I get to a have so many conversations with people that I've never met before like this conversation right here like I would have never done this before. Yeah, that's true. This is kind of sick. Like that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like I literally just get to have these conversations all the time, like literally on a weekly basis, at least one of these conversations where I'm talking to so many different people that are smarter than me in different areas of life. And I just get to pick their brain for like an hour and a half, two hours. And then, so that's one of the biggest benefits. And then the other side of it is like a lot of my episodes when I you know, either don't have someone to interview or I don't want to talk to someone that day. I'll just talk to my own fucking phone for like 20, 30 minutes and I'll just listen to myself trying to figure out whatever problem I'm talking, I'm thinking about. Like, I've yeah, dude, similar to how I was talking about, like just it's such a jumble of thoughts in your head sometimes that when you finally put it out in terms of whether it's a video or like you write it down, then you can start to make it more coherent. Otherwise you're just a blabbering mess in your own head. Really. Yeah. Well, and it's funny to think about because we talked about as kids growing up, like I was somebody that didn't really have to take notes. I learned through speaking and conversation, like asking a teacher a question and hearing them explain it in a way I'm like, okay, 
I remember what they said. Yeah. I don't remember writing a fucking thing down in my book nine times or whatever you're supposed to fucking do to memorize things. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Dude, I still remember parts of your intestines because, and this sounds really fucking nerdy, but I had a wicked grade 12 fucking teacher, Mr. Rutherford. He was my biology teacher. And he told me the, the parts of your intestines, the duodenum, the jejunum, and the ileum. And he made a joke about it being DJI, like a DJ yeah, spinning yeah. tracks in your yeah, intestines. Yeah. And because he said that in the way, I remembered it to this day. I've never forgotten those parts of your intestines. And I make jokes about it all right the time. On, dude. And they're like, it's really niche information, but I will it never- It shouldn't be though. It's your fucking body. You should know it. Yeah, but it's what I'm body. trying to say is like, I learned through that. So it's interesting to see that this is the way now that I express my own thoughts. because. I go back and edit these episodes or at least listen back to them and I can hear myself coming to conclusions where I'm sure it's like the same thing with you because you learn through like reading and writing naturally. Like I had to start to force myself to read and write whereas like a lot of people out there have to force themselves to start to be more social Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to do that. I love conversations. I learn through conversations and when I listen to my own conversations and even when they're with myself. I'm like listening to myself come to conclusions and I'm sure for you with the blog, it's the exact same thing. I do have those moments with writing and I have my own kind of tools that I use to journal, but it's interesting that you probably literally said almost verbatim the way that I explain why I like to podcast. Cause it's like, I'm listening to my own thought process. Mm-hmm. I get to hear myself kind of think about, well, if this, then this. Like there's times in my episodes where I contradict myself from the very beginning to the end where like if I'm talking about routines, I'm like, maybe you have to have a strictly structured routine. Like one that I just list, I, I recorded yesterday and it's like, you have to have structured routines. And then I'm like, but you also have to be malleable. You also, so I'm, I'm hearing myself kind of go through these things. And then at the end I can kind of come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it tells myself like, it's like a, you don't always have to know the thing when you start talking about it or start like the point of conversation is to figure it out. But B, like the same way that you talk about like reflecting back on your blog posts, it's like you can listen to yourself come to these conclusions and you can start to like understand your own thought process. And yes, for me, man. it's made myself a lot more comfortable with like a lot of tough times I've gone through because I can think about my own thought process at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for when, sure, man. When you... um. Sorry, I don't know if you have anything to follow no, with that. Cool. But I was going to say, when you journal, do you write like in point form? Do you write like a paragraph? Do you write like a to-do list? Like what do you do when you journal, if you don't mind me asking? Like how do you, what does journaling look like to you? So journaling is, it, it, al- it always, it's an ever evolving thing. Like an affirmations kind of guy or like, like a, there's a time and a place. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not shitting on anyone who likes to do yeah, but I'm just asking because I use pretty much all of them. But yeah, yeah, like you said, time and place. Yeah. Um, so what it looks like currently is that every night as part of the evening routine, I will write three wins for the day. Nice. Three things that I did. That's basically affirmations, I will say. Just right off the bat. Uh, I, thought it, I thought an affirmation was like, I am worthwhile. I am worthwhile. I am worthwhile. Like you're looking at yourself in the mirror. I thought that's what a positive. It's kind of a way, I guess. But like, I feel like writing down wins is like the reason why you have the affirmation. Okay, sure. Okay. So let's say, okay, sure. It's a form. It's just a different form. (laughs) Okay. So I'll do my three wins, right? And it could be in any aspect of of life. 
financial health, social health, physical health. How's my business doing? How's my life? Anything. Yeah. Then after that, I will usually write um, anywhere from one to three things that I'm grateful for. Nice. Um, and I try. So the key with the great, great gratitude thing is I found make it very, very like extremely specific. So that yeah. one usually takes like one to two sentences per point. Yeah. But then after you write it, write it down, just sit with it for like 30 seconds. Nice. Right. Because otherwise, I, at least for me, I found that there's been times where journaling becomes a chore where it's like, okay, I'm rushing to get, to get, to get it done. Yeah. I and got like, like 10 minutes before bed. Like, exactly. I just got to get this done so I can go and do this other shit. Exactly. So I found the key with at least the gratitude part, write the thing down and then just sit with it 30 seconds, then write the other thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then after the gratitude part, I will usually write something that... I something that I didn't do well. I won't explicitly write what I didn't do well for the day, but I'll write what I need to improve on nice. for the next day. So then, so then, let's say as an example, I wish I brought my journal here. Um, but let's say as an <laughs> I've example, got like four of them, man. I've got the last couple that I filled out. Nice. But in terms of like the Look what I'm mine, man. <laughs> in terms of the improving, let's say that um, I wrote. Um, I need to view every like my nutrition in terms of like how it's going to make me feel versus the short-term pleasure. That's just let's just say that's just an example, mm. right? Now, the next morning when I wake up, I'll just briefly scan the journal and then I'll and then I'll look at that how to improve part and then I'll apply that to the rest of the day. And mm. then the cycle just repeats over and over like that. That's sick. So you just, sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that uh, I've, uh, this is for sure a topic that I've written extensively about. So if you're curious on how to journal better and how to make your journaling experience more effective, I've written two articles on my blog. You can go pkhealth.ca slash journal, and then you can find two blogs. One is called How to Make Journaling Suck Less, <laughs> and then the other one is called How to Journal Effectively. So I, those are really, really good resources for anyone who wants to start on the process of of bettering their health that's sick have you ever tried like changing when you journal like in the morning versus at night definitely i used to do morning and evening um but i like a morning reflection and an evening reflection yeah nice um but i i have found personally that um it just adds another thing on the to-do list that i don't necessarily (laughs) need when again i can just look back on the previous night's journaling see what um i can improve on for today and just apply that nice so and do you ever change like the structure of how you journal oh yeah definitely for sure man i used to uh like for example i used to have a section back when i was still journaling in the mornings as well i used to have a section where i would write three things that i was excited for for the day right three things to look forward to that i'm gonna get to do not have to do get to do for the day yeah um that's an example of like one thing that i've phased out but i'm sure that there will be a time and place that i phase it back in right yeah the reason I ask is because like so many people ask me and I've had someone when actually one of my old bosses, he was like, which one of the biggest changes you made in your life? I'm like, bro, I've been journaling every day. It's so key, bro. And um, dude, it is. And actually, I like, I've actually talked about you coming to conclusions about health over the course of this conversation. I've actually rum- been ruminating in the back of my head how you were saying that when people ask you for, hey, how do I improve my health? You'll go directly to the two things. How much, how physically active are you? And then are you journaling or not? Yeah. The more I think about it, I think 
that are you journaling or not is probably the foundation because without because the, what the journaling really allows is self-awareness it helps develop yeah i was going to say reflectiveness exactly yeah. reflectiveness self-awareness without that reflectiveness and self-awareness you literally have no idea what you're doing throughout the entire day yeah all your habits are on automatic so it's whether yeah. you try to improve your nutrition your physical activity your social health financial health anything without that base of self-awareness you can't make those improvements. It's fucking possible. Yeah, I've been trying to think about recently about if there's some sort of a parallel. But like the only other thing I could think about is if you're like really fucking disciplined and good at meditation. I feel like it's the only thing that could really replace journaling. Because even reading, like it's definitely good to have that kind of in, like uh, like the input of good information. But like, it's actually like to have no input. Like, that's what I like about journaling is like, I, like I said, I journal first thing in the morning. I, I do read actually first, but then I journal pretty much first thing. One of the first things I do in the morning is journal. And for me, like, it's important to just like not have any influence. And the way that I, I, I was asking earlier, I was like, what, how, how about the structure change? Because uh, when I'm in a bad mood, it's like a lot more paragraph based. Like I'm kind of mm. thinking about maybe my actions recently, behaviors or habits. I'm trying to isolate, like maybe it's hanging out with a certain person. I always have certain types of conversations. I'm trying to figure out the route to my problems. So it's a lot more like paragraph style. I'm like almost telling a story so I can go back and review it and be like, okay, when I hang out with this person more often, I start to talk about these things. They make me feel like this. It kind of makes me like, I spend like two, three hours after cooling off of that conversation, fucking doing nothing. Or when I eat this thing, I notice that I feel like this. Or when I do this, th like whatever. So for when I'm feeling like shit, it's like more paragraph and a lot more heavy writing. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'm feeling good, it's like, what have I been, like you said, I'm just like, what have I been doing recently that put me in this advantageous position so I can keep doing those fucking things? Mm -hmm. And what other things do I want to build on them with? So I make like to-do lists and uh, I'm a lot more point form. Like this was fucking sweet. This was fucking sweet. This I fucked up recently, but I know the solution already or I'm going to talk to this person for the solution. So like when I'm in a good mood or a good headspace, my journaling is short, concise, point form. Like it's like bang, 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 bang. When I'm feeling like shit, I'll be journaling for like 40 minutes. Like sometimes like I'll sit well, down for an hour. That's fucking wonderful because what you're really saying is that when things are going well, you just do the bare minimum just to ride that positivity wave. When things And to keep it. And like, to keep and it. And to maintain it. And to maintain it. it. When things go bad, you don't just fucking sit and wallow and oh boohoo. You literally put in the fucking work, 45 minutes of journaling you're saying some days, yeah. of trying to figure out how to get yourself out of that rut. Which yeah, is there'll be like four or five pages of just like bang, 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 like writing paragraphs. Yep. Whereas like a good day sometimes is half a page, like six bullets. Yeah. Bang. That's fucking phenomenal, dude. I wish more people would do that. Yeah. But it's so difficult to get into, like, especially like me growing up, like I was definitely a meathead. Mm -hmm. Like I never fucking read. I didn't like writing. I guess I liked writing maybe as a kid, but just like fantasy, like kind of like exploring my imagination kind of shit. But like, I never, like for me, like I was like, I want to be the dumb, funny class clown jock. And I did good at it and it made people laugh. And that was my validation. Like I was like, okay, I get this dopamine rush. I made people laugh. They can't not like me. Like they're, you know, <laughs> if I make them laugh, they're going to like me. 
that's what I thought as a kid. You yeah. know, it's like I'll make them laugh and then I'll have a lot of friends and I'll be good. I mm-hmm. don't have to be like lonely or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I was like if I'm like really knowledgeable, then it's harder because then I have to compete with all these other people that are knowledgeable. Where I could just so for me, like especially journaling and reading were like so difficult to get into. I'm like, I have to instill these habits now as an adult. Like I didn't start reading, like I said, until I was like 23, 24. Like that was legitimately when I started reading my first like books, like completing a book was like a milestone for me. So it's like, I feel like for people that aren't into that, it's so hard to get into. Like if you were to tell people like, dude, you can, you can improve your life if you start journaling. They're like, A, I don't believe that. And B, why the fuck would I do that? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was so difficult for me to get into. I get it, man. It is a bit, it's a big leap of faith. And not only is it a big leap of, leap of faith, you don't see immediate results. It, it doesn't while, seem believable. Man. It's like what we were saying earlier with Jordan Peterson. It's yeah. like, like, I try and keep my room pretty tidy and I never did before. And if I were to tell someone like, dude, this is going to benefit your mental health. They're like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, how is that going to benefit my mental health if I write and I exercise Oh, you're telling me if I do 100 push-ups a day, I'll be happier? Yeah. Like, come on, bro. And it's like, well, <laughs> give it a shot. Well, that's the thing. Like, earlier, I was I was just real quick. I was, I was talking about how sometimes one of the root cause fixes is just so unbelievable because it's so far removed from the actual result that you're trying to get. But it's like, yeah, man, with the push-ups, it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to introduce those positive hormones into your body. It's going to make you physically stronger. It's going to make you mentally stronger. And as a result, you're actually going to get happier. But to make that logical jump is like so far like from people's – like it's just so hard for people to grasp when they could just be fucking smoking a joint and feeling instantly good. Yeah. Or, or going on Tinder and swiping and getting a fucking match. Exactly. And then, oh, I can go in – Hang out with this chick or do this thing. Exactly. Okay, so then I'll leave. If we want to close out the podcast, I will leave with this. I think it's very clear now that me and you both... It's not even think, but we know that if we want the world to get better, you have to make the difficult root cause fixes happen. And that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of patience. How do we get the world to prioritize that instead of looking towards the short-term band-aid fixes like how do we do it how the fuck do we do it yeah yeah it's funny we were talking about earlier like i was like talking about mental health you're talking about more like physical health and wellness and they obviously like intertwine together and you look at me and you're like bro how do we start to get people to see this kind of realization and i'm like bro get them to start winning on a small scale because that's like what changed my perspective and my outlook on, on a lot of things. It's like, oh, fuck, I can, if I just focus an hour of day on this thing, I can improve this. Well, why can't I transfer that to so many other aspects of my life, man? Like, that's like the most like unreal breakthrough that I've had to make mentally. Mm-hmm. So like I, like I got to say, you kind of already jumped the gun on this, but I'm going to throw the mic right back at you because I do my own intros, but I never do my own outros. Mm-hmm. So you got to give people, my only requirements are, you got to give people some sort of an uplifting, positive message got it. or motivation or anything you want to leave them with. If, if someone didn't want to listen to the full hour and a half that we've been talking, what's one message you could give them? And then again, tell people where they could find you. I'm going to put your stuff in the description for the YouTube video and in the show notes for the podcast version. 
but give yourself a plug, give yourself a shout out. But first you got to lift some spirits or motivate someone, or it could be a harsh wake up call, whatever you want to say. But okay. if, if you had to summarize the one message from today, okay, what would it be and where, where can people find you, man? Okay. So everything, everything that you enjoy requires you to have a functioning organic skin bag vehicle in which to navigate through life in which to 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 interact with the outside environment which is the world it's a fucking privilege to have this all this shit it's a fucking privilege to have and without it there's no way you can have joyful just there's no way you can experience joy you can't have amazing blissful experiences without this thing to interface with the environment it's a fucking privilege it's it's beautiful it's an absolute fucking joy to have it so put some fucking respect on it please realize that there are a million and one unconscious processes that are happening right now just to keep you alive from your heart beating on its own on its own rhythm to your to your breathing to the fact that nutrients are circulating throughout your entire fucking body right now without you having to tell it to do so your body's fucking amazing and it's the only thing that you can use in order to interface with the environment and have amazing joyful experiences please take care of yourself it's a personal responsibility and not only is it a personal responsibility that sounds like a fucking chore it's not a personal responsibility it's a privilege to have this thing it's a privilege to live life so just try to take care of yourself try to chase after beneficial happy experiences that will not only lift yourself up but it'll lift others up and then let's all fucking do this thing together 100%. that's it that's it and then if you want to find me thoughtful meathead on instagram you can find me on my website pkhealth.ca um and yeah hit me up shoot me a message i love to chat about anything health performance mental health anything like that i'd love to hear from you fucking rights Let's fucking go, Thanks, bro. bro. Thank you so yeah. much for coming here. No worries, bro. Thank you for being here. And thank you to everyone that listened this much. You are the reason that we do what we do. So go out and kill it. Have the best fucking day, the best fucking week, the best fucking month, year of your life. Go out and kill it. Much love and peace out, motherfuckers.